And this is Dom. And you're listening to... 99% Chance of... Wine and Murder! Hello, Dom. Hello, Jen. How are you? Oh, you know. Friday. And this white wine is doing quite well. (laughs) Also, welcome, everyone. Yes, welcome. Welcome to episode 13. Welcome to our humble abode. Humble abode. On a Friday evening. Of murder. Of murder. <laughs> yeah, we're funny. It's fine. Um, okay, well, um, how was your week at work? Was it so good? Was it the best week ever? Do we just want to be podcasters for a job instead of actually having to go to work? Yeah, yeah 100%. That would be the best. 100%, Jim. Yeah. Let's not talk about my work. Like, what about yours? Same. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's no fun. No. We obviously both did not have good work weeks. God damn it. It was just a long week, I feel like. Extra long. And I feel like every hour today, I was just so excited to come home, see my kids, and then, like, podcast after they went to bed, that I'm like, come on! And it was like, I I came back from lunch today at 1, and I said, okay, cool. So I ate my lunch, and I was like, man, it feels like I've been back forever. And then I looked at the clock. I thought it was two hours later. It was one thirty-six. <laughs> And I was it's like, not very long this is all. the worst day of my life. Not literally the worst day of my life, obviously, but, you know. Getting there. Getting there. Okay, so also, <clears throat> we're at my house right now, and earlier tonight we were talking about how there's a serial killer van parked right by my vehicle. Creepy as fuck. Yeah, I live in a condo, and I gotta tell you, this morning I left to go to work, and so... It was a little frosty outside, so I had to scrape my windshield. No. And as I'm scraping my windshield, I'm like, oh my god, I'm right beside the serial killer van. What if he opens the door right now and tries to kidnap me? And then all of a sudden, I like started going faster, and then I just didn't clean the rest of my vehicle because I got too scared. So well, I like drove away and then like pulled over and like cleaned the rest of it somewhere else. It's legit a creepy van. I was walking into Jen's house from the parking lot, and I looked in the window, and there's like plexiglass or something separating the front to the back so I immediately like went up on my tiptoes to look in the back thinking I'd find some person back there I love that you did that because that's what I would also do but but then I quickly scurried to Jen's when I didn't see anything because I was like fuck if I don't get out of here soon maybe it'll be me back there and I'll be like Dom where you at girl you haven't come over yet creepy ass fam and then she would have been murdered. Yeah. Creepy ass vans, man. Not my thing. So creepy. Right, should we get into our murders tonight? Yeah, I want to hear yours. It's my turn to go first, I think. Yeah. Well, anyways, I hope everybody, like, sort of slat- enjoyed our last episode. I know Ooh. it was a bit much, but... Yeah. Hopefully it wasn't the worst thing you've listened to. It was still good, like... I mean, so good, yeah. We're advocating for people's well-being. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my murder tonight, her name is Brenda Spencer. Oh, I've never heard. Okay. So, it's known as the Grover Elementary School Shooting. Um, It took place on January 29th, 1979 in San Diego, California. (laughs) The principal and custodian were killed... And eight children and a police officer were injured. The killer, 
16-year-old Brenda Ann Spencer. What? Yeah. Was not expecting that. So Brenda was born on April 3rd, 1962 in San Diego, California. She lived in the house across the street from the elementary school, and when her parents divorced, her and her siblings stayed with their father. In a 2001 parole hearing, Brenda confessed that her father sexually molested her almost nightly from the age she was from the time she was 9 until she was 16. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. When police entered the residence after the shooting, they found whiskey and beer bottles littering the house. It was later found out that Brenda and her dad shared a mattress together on the floor. Oh. Yeah. Gross. Creepy. So, I guess the Christmas before the shooting, Brenda asked her father for a radio. And instead, he bought her a twenty-two caliber semi-automatic rifle. What? Same, right? That's so strange. That's so fucking weird. Why would you buy your 16-year-old child that? That's really weird. And he also bought her hundreds of rounds of ammunition. What the hell? Yeah. So Brenda said that she thought um, that her dad bought it for her to actually commit suicide because she had attempted before. So she thought that he bought it for her so that she would finish the job. That's so sad. Yeah. That's what, that's what she believed anyways. But I mean, she asked for a radio and he bought her a gun. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah. So a week before the shooting, she told her friends at school she was going to do something the following Monday that was big and would get her on TV. So the morning of the shooting, Brenda told her dad she was sick and didn't want to go to school. He said that was fine, and he left around 7 a.m. At 8 a.m., students began to gather at the school waiting for the principal to open the gate. At 8.30 a.m., Brenda started shooting from the front window of her house. What? Yeah. So she first hit Amanda Selvig, who was nine years old, and she was shot in the wrist. Aww. Principal Reg, 53, heard the shots and ran to the children's aid and was killed by a shot to the chest. The janitor, 56-year-old Michael Shuard, who was also a um, military vet, yeah. he rushed to the principal's aid and was then killed by Brenda. What a bitch. Yeah. A bullet then hit nine-year-old Cam Miller, missing his heart by just an inch. Robert Robb, a 28-year-old police officer who was one of the first on scene, was shot in the neck but survived. Christy Buell, who was nine, along with three others, were also shot in the abdomen. After 15 minutes and 30 rounds, a security guard and a police officer risked their lives to move a garbage truck in front of her line of shooting. So that kind of like stopped it for a little mm. bit. Um, so I guess then a reporter, whose name was Gus Steven, started calling all the houses on the block after he had heard about the incident over the police radio, looking for information on who, if anybody knew anything. Hmm. So he called one house, and the girl he picked up and said that she was a shooter. So it was Brenda. Oh, wow. Um, and so he, he motioned to his colleague to call 911, and he kept interviewing her on the phone. Right. Smart. So get this. He asked her why she did it, and her response was, because I don't like Mondays. It's so casual about it. Yeah. I mean, we all don't like Mondays. I'm yeah. not going to fucking murder some people. Yeah, especially, like, children. She's also She also added that she was shooting for the fun of it. 
So I guess there was a song, and now I'm the worst, called I Don't Like Mondays, mm-hmm. and it was loosely based off of this incident, because that was, like, the most famous line from this. Oh, wow. Is that because she said she was shooting because she doesn't like Mondays. That's, like, okay, like, there's so many things wrong with this story. Like, A, who buys their child a gun? Right. In general, but, like, 100%. a semi-automatic gun. Like, that's oh, fucked yeah. up. And why do people think like that? Like, why do people think that shit's okay? How do you just sit there and shoot innocent children? Or anybody, for that matter, but, like, but children. But especially a child. Like, I don't understand that. No. And we seem to, like, over the years, I mean, thankfully, it seems to be getting less and less. But there's been so many like that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, instead of shooting other people, just fucking kill yourself. Like... If you're gonna murder people, well, don't kill yourself either. Get some fucking help. But if it's between you or other people, yes, yeah, like kill yourself. Um. So I guess she remained barricaded in her house for six and a half hours before she finally surrendered. Um. So then she was tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Good. In 1993, she was up for parole. She said she didn't intend to hurt anyone. And was trying to draw police in so they would shoot her. So it was like a police suicide type So why wouldn't deal? you like aim at the building instead of exactly. like, the people? Obviously she was a knife roll because they didn't believe her. Mm-hmm. In 2001, she mentioned the abuse by her father and said that she also thinks that every other school shooting was her fault because they thought that they copycatted her. Aww. Um, so Brenda was denied parole again in 2009 when she applied. And now, again, in 2019, she'll be eligible for parole again. You think she'll get parole this time? No. I mean, I mean she's it's been, been denied so every other time. Long, though, now. But, I mean, I don't know. They've also, I also read an article where it said that she kind of, like, engraved, like, or, like, tattooed in jail, mm-hmm. like, courage and whatever on her like not like anything remorseful about what she did but mm-hmm. that she was you well, know like, what I mean I feel really like perplexed on the fact like as much as I don't believe that people change at the same time like I do believe that especially younger people mm-hmm. can just really fuck up you know yeah, but that's not just really fucking up you like I know elementary kids that's what I mean. Like, so it's, like, such a fine line. Because it's, like, do you give her a second chance in society because it's been X amount of years? Or... I don't know. I mean, if it was my kid, I'd be, like, fuck no. Right? Absolutely. Even if, like, she shot and, like... I mean, obviously none of the kids were killed. But still, as the as a parent, I'd be, like, go fuck yourself. Like, no. Yeah. Exactly. Do not ever let her walk this planet again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, As a mom, that would be, like, what I would think, but, I mean, I don't know, like, I mean, I get she was, she lived in, with abuse and everything mm-hmm. like that, so I... That's what I mean, though, like, why wouldn't you hurt yourself instead of hurting other people? Well, I think she tried, and it's weird how she went from her dad buying her a gun to thinking, like, he wanted her to just kill herself, mm-hmm. to her being, like, I'm gonna shoot children, Mm-hmm. Who are innocent. Like, I wonder what her dad thought about that. I don't know. Apparently, I watched it. So, there's a documentary you can watch on YouTube about this. 
So I watched some of it, and apparently her dad still lives in that house, which is, like, so weird. I could not. I've heard of people staying in houses after, like, murders happen in them. I could not. Because it's, like, their house, but I'm like, how? I'd be so creeped out. Like, every time I... I don't know. I always feel like there's... Like, I believe in ghosts and stuff, so I would always But every feel... time you leave your house, you're living across the street from the elementary school, you're like, oh... Oh, yeah, sorry about There's that, that school time. where my daughter murdered a bunch of people. Yeah, I could not. You know not. what I mean? Or, like, you know, and shot people, and mm-hmm. I don't know. He has to be some kind of mess in the head. I don't know. Anyway, okay, that's my know. murder. It was good. Thank you. I mean, that is true. Like, it was an earlier school shooting, but... Who knows? People are so messed up. Like, they'll do anything these days. Oh, 100%. All right. My murder, Jen. Guess what it's about. I don't know, dog. Okay. Handsome and charismatic. Every woman's dream come true. Or worst nightmare. Is it Ted Bundy? It's Ted Bundy, bitch! Yes! High fives! We high fives. Born November 24th, 1946, to mother Eleanor Cowell at the young age of 22, he was already considered to be the family's biggest shame. An unwed mother was looked down upon in the social queue. Cowell packed up her belongings and moved back with her parents in Philadelphia, where Ted was to be raised as the adopted son to his grandparents. This was done to hide the family's shame and to avoid the poor social stigma. Although his grandparents loved and raised him as one of their own, Ted suffered at the hands of his grandfather. He was a mean alcoholic who would often beat his grandmother and inflicted harsh punishments upon the children. As the years passed by, Cowell decided to move to a new city and took Ted with her, who still believed this was his sister. Now in Tacoma, Washington, Cowell married Johnny Bundy and this born the famous name Ted Bundy. Growing up with several siblings, Ted seemed to have a quite a normal childhood. However, at the young age of three, odd behavior started to arise. Interested in knives, Ted would often sit and stare at them or play with them when there was nobody paying attention. As he grew, his teenage years unfolded into an even darker side, with Ted peeping into windows of strangers' homes, reading novels and magazines depicting violent sex and dead bodies. He also began to participate in petty crimes such as breaking and entering and burglary. His parents had quite a handful. Although Ted was bright, he had a very hard time interacting with other individuals. In an interview later in his life, he explained that he had always had trouble with interpersonal relationships and felt unable to connect with other individuals. He could never understand others' friendships or relationships and the way that they worked. The older Ted became, the more secluded he became, and he attended the University of Washington for his psychology degree. He met the love of his life. She was everything he wanted in life, pretty, wealthy, classy, but this did not last long. They soon broke up, which triggered his hate and evil to grow, and as the fire grew within him, other women who resembled his love became his obsession. In 1974, Ted released the beast cooped up inside of him. Feigning injuries, he would lead women back to his car with a pretense of needing help only to attack the young women, and for most of them, they would never be seen alive again. I'd be like, 
Pack your own groceries in your car, bitch. I ain't gonna die for you. Good luck to you, old man. You're gonna fucking murder me. Yeah, pretty much. Let's start at what is believed to be the beginning of his murderous affairs. 18-year-old Joni Lenz, an unsuspecting U of W student. I wish people could see how excited I am about this podcast. (laughs) An unsuspecting U of W student, safe and cozy, sleeping in her bed. Awoken abruptly from her sleep, Ted unleashed a deadly attack and bludgeoned her with a crowbar. With his unrelenting hatred, he ripped the metal bedpost from her bed and began violently assaulting her with it. Lenz was determined to live, and she did, but barely. She was found the next morning unconscious and badly beaten. Quickly, she was rushed to the hospital where she was diagnosed with permanent brain damage and faced with the fact that her life would never be the same again. On January 31st... What a bad bitch. I know. She was was determined. Good, Good for her. On January 31st, Anne Healy found herself the next victim of the atrocious and unrelenting Ted Bundy. Following similar tactics, he broke into her room, knocking her unconscious. He then wrapped her body in a bedsheet after dressing her in day clothes and brought her to his car. He was very meticulous and did not leave any evidence behind for them to follow, besides one single hair. And unfortunately, her body was not found until over a year later. Jesus. He had beaten her, decapitated her, and dismembered her body. He was beginning to become more and more malicious. A pattern of breaking in, sexual assault, and murder were soon emerging. He had found his murder niche. <laughs> over the next few months, he would stalk, abduct, and murder one or more women per month. Each woman he attacked and killed resembled his girlfriend that broke his heart and sent him into a downward spiral. In the fall, Ted moved to Utah to study law at the Utah University. He also found himself volunteering at the Suicidal Help Hotline and worked as part of the state's Crime Prevention Task Force. He was described as, a very, as very good at both jobs and is thought that he may have preyed on the vulnerability of some of the hotline callers as well as gained some much-needed knowledge of how to prevent being caught in the task force. 100%. However... It was here in Utah that he ended up being pulled over due to erratic driving, thus leading to a search of his car. The police were shocked when they found ropes, handcuffs, and much more incriminating items. One year later, he found himself with a kidnapping charge of Carol DeRange, who ended up escaping the tight grasp of Ted and fled to safety. He found himself in jail for 1 to 15 years. More threads into his sinister mind began to unravel as two years later, he was indicted on a murder charge for a young Colorado lady named Karen Campbell. Deciding to act as his own lawyer, he was granted permission into the library to do his research. Okay, like, why do they think that they can do this? They're so fucking cocky. Well, okay, so he went to school to become a lawyer, but dropped out. Yeah, but it seems like every, like, serial killer is like, meh, I can just do this myself. 100%. And they all And they all fail. So, so. he was let into the library to do his research. A near fatal decision on the court's part, as only days later, Ted escaped out of the window and and was on the run. It took eight days and many law enforcement officers to capture the devil again. This would not be his last Houdini act. 
he became, became a master at deception, even more so than before. With this, he began to make his next escape plan, and in December 1977, he crawled out of a hole he created in the ceiling. He was very dedicated to the escape, as he lost 30 pounds to escape through the crawl space oh, he had created for himself. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Jesus. He made his way to Florida, where he would inflict his own personal hell on the Chi Omega sorority house. Breaking, breaking and entering, the women had no chance to escape. He raped and killed two of the four women involved, unleashed a ferocious beating on another woman, and then slipped into a nearby house and bludgeoned yet another young woman. These were atrocious scenes where officers found bite marks in his victim's body, and it all happened in just under an hour. This killing spree must not have curbed his craving for sadistic inflictions because less than a month later, still on the run from the law, Ted kidnapped a 12-year-old, Kimberly Leach. After being spotted around the middle school trying to abduct a child, he laid back and waited. Only three days later is when Kimberly went missing from school. One week later, her body would be found. Ted returned home to, to his house in Tallahassee where he dumped the stolen vehicle nearby. Over the next few days, he was pulled over but managed to escape while the officer went to his car to check the plates. When would he be caught? He found himself in Florida after struggling with being turned down due to his reportedly stolen credit cards, where ultimately he would meet his fate. An on-patrol officer recognized his stolen plates and proceeded to chase down the car Ted was in. Ted, always ready to put up a fight, tried to flee, but was captured and arrested by the police officer where he would find himself in cuffs for good. After his prosecution and escape from his first trial, his second trial began on June 25, 1979, in Miami, Florida. This trial brought out the Omega sorority murders where one of the survivors put a nail in his casket by pro providing her testimony, and he was convicted on convicted as guilty on July 30th, 1979. He was sentenced to death penalty for these crimes. On January 7th, 1980, his third trial commenced for 12-year-old Kimberly Leach. His defense was to claim insanity was the cause. One month later, he would once again be sentenced to death. Throughout all the trials, it was brought to life how strange Ted really was. He would mutilate his victims and often return to the dump site to spend time with the bodies, as well as to have sex with the rotting corpses until the smell and decay was too much for him to stand. He would also keep decapitated body parts, especially the heads, in his own apartment to look at and admire when he was alone. Through all of this, it is unknown the exact number of women that fell victim to Ted and his atrocious acts. Although he admitted freely to killing 36 women across several U.S. states, it is suspected that he took the lives of over 100 women. The end of Ted came on January 4th, 1989. He was killed in the Another, electric chair. Wait, January 4th? Yes. Another one. Like, we just did our oh, last yeah. victim. She died on January just 4th. Just a year and a little bit. Um, he was killed in the electric chair as crowds flocked outside the prison cheering on his death. 
Ted married his wife, Carol Ann Boone, in February 1980 during the beginning phases of one of his trials. At the time, it is believed she did not believe he was responsible for the crimes he was accused of. She seems like an idiot. Two years later, she gave birth to their daughter, Rose Bundy. Her conceivable is speculated with different versions as to how they could have gotten pregnant while Ted was behind bars. Okay, listen to these. No. Uh... One thought is that they were given a conjugal conjugal visit yeah that of which was denied by the prison and the other more far-fetched belief (laughs) is that carol snuck in a condom for ted who proceeded to fill it with his semen and give it back to carol this is just a few ideas that have been speculated however none of them have been proven with a little more research into today's life carol and rose have both changed their names and who can blame them okay but like Maybe she just got pregnant by someone else instead of a sex. No, it's her DNA. It's like she's a- it's actually been proved that. Yeah. Oh shit. So I just put in two uh, weird a- like a couple weird ass quotes from Ted. Uh, the first one is "I'm the most cold-hearted son of a bitch you'll ever meet," which was in his interrogation in 1978 in the Florida State Prison. I didn't know what made people want to be friends. I didn't know what made people attractive to one another. I didn't know what underlay social interactions. And you feel the last bit of breath leaving their body. You're looking into their eyes. A person in that situation is God. That's just how fucked up he really was. And he really enjoyed his quotes. Apparently. Yeah. There's a lot of them. A lot of Ted Bundy. Right? Classic. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. Um, did you hear about that girl, Jamie Claus, Claus, I think is what her name is. Um, I just saw today, um, so on October 15th in Minnesota, 911 got a call, um, like, and it was like, please help us, blah, 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 and there was like a lot of chaos. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then it cut off, so they pinpointed the location, and it was, like, to this house. So they, police went there, and the, when they got there, the door was kicked in, and the mom and dad were both shot to death. What? And the 13-year-old girl that lived there with her parents was missing. What the fuck? So they, and they, the police, like, put out an, like, an amber or whatever. It was, like, they think she's in danger, blah, blah, blah. And so that was on October 15th. Um, and so, like, they had, like, search parties, and they were, like, scouring lands and whatever, right? So then on Thursday, this woman, like, about 100 miles away from where this happened, 100 kilometers, sorry, um, she's just out walking her dog, and this, like, really thin, sickly-looking girl comes up to her, and she's like, can you please help me? I don't know where I am. I'm lost. And she, like, looked up, and she knew instantly that it was this girl because her photo's been all over the media. Holy fuck. And she was like, oh, my God, okay, like, no problem. Like, so they ran to, like, a neighbor's house, Mm -hmm. um, and they knocked on the door and, like, you got to call 911, whatever. So it was this girl, and it was 87 days later. Holy. And um, I guess, like, 15 minutes later, police arrested the suspect who is this 21 year old kid he just like kidnapped her yeah so i guess the sole they think that the sole purpose of this whole thing of him killing her parents is because he had planned to kidnap her the whole time because he just like 
was infatuated by this 13-year-old girl. What a creep. And so we held her captive in a cabin for the last 87 days. Aww. And so, I don't know, like, hopefully, I mean, obviously, bad things happened, probably. That shouldn't want to happen. But yeah, so, I'm like, holy cow. So I'm gonna, like, continue to follow this, like, try and, like, find out more information and stuff, but I'm like, holy cow. I'm always shocked when, like, victims turn up, like, days, weeks, years later, because it's so unheard of. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, that never happens. They'll, you, the last thing, last time that really happened was, I mean, there's been a few others, but, like, the biggest one for me was, like, that Elizabeth Smart. Oh, yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Well, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a while yeah. ago, but it was, she was, uh, kidnapped out of her bedroom yeah and then they like they found her by fluke Mm -hmm. at a traffic stop yeah and they stopped these people and she was in the back seat like can you imagine yeah and now she like speaks out for people she's like married has a few kids Mm -hmm. and like like that's it wow i can't even you know it's so crazy like what they imagine like what she went through and whatever but (sighs) yeah that's crazy by the way, we just had to do, like, two retakes of my story because I have this really bad problem with yawning every time I have to, like, answer a phone or read a podcast. So, I mean, if you ever hear a scattered yawn... It's not because she's bored with the podcast. Yeah, it's not because I'm bored. It's like my body hates me. That's fair. It yeah. happens to people. 100%. Yeah. All right, everyone. So, we just want to let you know to um, always keep your wine glasses full. And don't get murdered. Bye. Bye.